Hey, hey, we're here. What's up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horde, and this is this is the NWA Suns Out, Guns Out edition. I got a mouth. Look at these. Anyway, uh, this is the show celebrating the past, present, future, history, legacy, and tradition of the greatest wrestling entity of all time. We're talking about the National Wrestling Alliance since 1948. We've been rocking and rolling with the NWA, and uh, they have set the standard for pro wrestling. And today's a special day for a lot of reasons. Before we get into all of that, let me introduce you to my co-host, Mr. Will Martin. Hey, Will. Good evening, everybody. And, of course, there is, as always, the Dr. Rob Stinson. Welcome, Doc. Hashtag the fix is in. You guys all witnesses. Hashtag conspiracy series. Let's get the show on the road, Gary. I felt that. I I don't know. For some reason, that doesn't surprise me. Want to give a quick shout out if we can to just up top, just a little more somber note. Joe Galley was actually going to join us today on this episode and uh, couldn't. There was a there was a situation that he's got to cover as a reporter as you know joe galley is a news reporter so just uh sending well wishes that way um and uh you know just unfortunately joe couldn't be with us here today so but we will progress on um so today i guess before we dive into the uh champion series just up top i would like for us to take a second and tell sweet charlotte the 10 pounds of gold Happy birthday today. It's a it's a big day for Sweet Charlotte. On this day in 1973, Sweet Charlotte was presented by the late great Sam Muchnick to Harley Race. And right after that, that same day, Jack Briscoe defeated Harley Race and became the first winner of the 10 pounds of gold. And uh, that title still reigns supreme in the National Wrestling Alliance. And by God, I still say it's the best looking title out there. So uh, happy birthday to Sweet Charlotte. Rob, I see you. You lit up when I mentioned when I mentioned her name. Uh, you got something you want to say about her? No, I know. I know James, James Lawrence is in the, the chat. And uh, I know he's a huge advocate and apologist for the uh, the 10 pounds ago. Probably the greatest public, uh, you know, exclaimer of the beauty of this championship and it, it is it is quite uh and it uh, we've seen it the three of us have all held the the, the championship the current iteration of the uh, of sweet charlotte the 10 pounds of gold and there's something uh almost almost religious when you hold it and you think about like the just the unique history of this belt that no other belt has the kind of folklore that this you know you got the legend of Kerry Von Erich's initials. You've got the legend of the Dinted Globe. Not, not, they're not legends in the sense that they're tall tales. They're true, you know. You've got the missing championship that went that that disappeared after one title transition and has never been recovered. You've got the quirky things about it, like uh, you know, the, the various different. It's maintained a pretty consistent form, but there have been subtle little tweaks from time to time, from font faces to dimmits to the the red velvet strap to the black leather strap to the lacing to the change in the Canadian flags to my favorite little quirk about it is just the is is really an error of punctuation. We call it the World's Heavyweight Championship with no apostrophe. It's the championship of all the worlds because that's what's printed on the back and that is officially uh, how we how we refer to it. And 
just looking at, you know, you've got some great belts. Really, you, you look at in, in the history of the belts, and I know we've got other things to get onto, but you've got four or five that are official. Remember the Luthes belt. That wasn't an NWA belt. That wasn't sanctioned by the promotion. That was personal property of Luthes. And when he entered semi-retirement, he took that belt with him. Dick Hutton never held a belt. It wasn't until Pat O'Connor in 1959 that the NWA officially commissioned a championship title trophy, and that was the, the crown jewel. And that lasted until 1973. Uh, four or five champions held the crown jewel, and then over 40 NWA champions have held the 10 pounds of gold. By far the most pervasive, the most iconic symbol, probably not just of the NWA, of the entire sport of pro wrestling. Definitely. I, I, you know, And you think about some other twists in terms. Will and I were talking before we went live about how you know, you had over 40 men hold the 10 pounds of gold. You've had three or four. I may be missing one, but I'm thinking there's only three or four that have held both the 10 pounds of gold and big gold. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking it's only Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and Sting. And Sting is unique because he's the only one who held them in reverse. He held the big gold first and then got the 10 pounds of gold during the NWA TNA iterations. Uh, you've had six men or six Reigns over five men to hold this particular trophy for over a thousand days in a single reign. It's just the folklore, the aura of this belt is like no other. And uh, this may be a somber day in the history of this great entity with this conspiracy series that we've been forced to watch tonight. Uh, but it is a great day in the sense that we honor the 48th birthday of the most majestic, most revered, most sought after, most iconic uh, most representative trophy. I'm not going to say it's the most beautiful trophy. There are belts that are really, really beautiful. You know, I think of like the triple crowns, just a, a work of craftsmanship. Even Harley Race refer, referred to this belt as a Mickey Mouse belt when he first got it. But over the years, it's taken on a certain iconic aura. And uh, I cannot think of anything it, in not just, you know, I'm a baseball fan. You guys know me. You know, I love the Atlanta Braves. I love that uh, that MLB Commissioner's Trophy, uh, but I can't think of another trophy that not only I but my wife and my children respect and revere and hold in higher esteem, almost a religious esteem, than we do this magnificent trophy: the ten pounds of gold, Sweet Charlotte, the Dome Globe. Happy birthday, Sweet Charlotte. All of you folks in the chat, we love you guys being here. Everybody watching who can't participate in the chat, you can jump in on YouTube, and there's plenty of fans out there, plenty of folks talking. Uh, we got a lot to get into today, but uh, the I just I just wanted to sh shout out some appreciation uh, to you guys out there, Roy Caps, Eric, Terry, John, Nathan, uh, even you, Chris. Even though you're you're being doubtful about the power of ten pounds of gold. Uh, front row, Craig, James, uh, Brian, all of you. I, there's so many to name. Jonathan, I see you there in Habes. Uh, good to see you. But uh, my point that I was getting to with the chat, bringing it up, is that James Lawrence is in there. And, and I love that our fans of the NWA are so educated in the sport. Uh, James Lawrence pointing out to us that Christian would also be someone who, you know, you mentioned Sting uh, holding that reverse, which I guess... Christian actually qualifies the other way around because he held the 10 pounds of gold in NWA TNA, but he also, if you count the WWE version of big gold, Christian also held big gold. 
So uh, everybody's shaking their head. Nah, big, just, big uh, gold. We, we well, do not because big gold. Big gold is big gold is the crumb rind. That big gold is the crumb rind. That that model has been replicated by. I mean, there's an indep- independent promotion six miles down the road in Dalton, Georgia, that has a big gold as their title. That is not big gold. Big gold is the National Wrestling Alliance World's Heavyweight Champions that, that was commissioned specifically for Ric Flair. In 1986, that and only that is big gold. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so we'll just we'll just throw it out there that we're aware at least that there is that discussion to be had. But um, the uh, the other thing I wanted to get to is just uh, just today's a celebratory day, just because we like we said the ten pounds of gold. And uh, well, well, I I'm sorry, I stepped right over you, man. I know that you're a you're a newer fan to the NWA, and you came on with the start of this show. Uh, when you first joined it, it just uh, how considering the WWF Intercontinental Championship or the Winged Eagle Belt or the uh, whatever, whatever belts, big gold out there, how how high has the ten pounds of gold risen in esteem for you? Oh well, it's the pinnacle, and you say I'm a new NWA fan. I'm a I'm a newer fan of the lightning one era of nwa that we're currently in but i but i started watching wrestling in the late 80s on tbs and so that was the belt that i saw rick flair carrying on tv so that was i mean to me that was wrestling from the time i was a kid and i was a wcw fan throughout the years and kind of stayed in that lane um so i you know that was always the pinnacle for me um even when they moved to big gold and then it kind of dissolved in WCW and WWF are doing their thing. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, it still represents that because that's, and that's the unique thing about this particular belt. It's not, it's not just the history. It's the visual of knowing the same belt that we see Nick Aldis walk out with right now today is the same visual that we have of Harley race and of these guys, Ric Flair and, and these guys in the past, you can't really say that about another belt because they've all been updated and look, I'm all for progress. I'm all for updating things. And uh, you know, I'm a graphic designer, so I love when things are modernized and stuff like that. But the, but the 10 pounds of gold is just something you don't need to modernize. It's timeless. Uh, it's historic. It's a trophy that doesn't need to be, uh, refreshed it doesn't need to be bigger it doesn't need to be smaller it doesn't need to be revised it it is it is perfect in its current form and it is uh, a representation of like rob said i mean i i place it side by side if not a little above you know a lombardi trophy or a stanley cup or something like that as far as representing greatness in a certain sport and as we call it the one true sport of professional wrestling so it's it's huge and uh, it was a lot of fun celebrating that today the nwa put out a post about uh saying happy birthday and asking people what their kind of fondest memory of it was so it was really fun to go read that and uh, kind of participate in that chat so it's just really cool absolutely and uh let's not let i mean obviously big gold is the or god here i go uh 10 pounds of gold is the uh, story here for its birthday it's a very special occasion um, but let's not also forget that, uh, the day that it debuted, uh, that evening, uh, a title change occurred in the NWA. So this is also the anniversary of Jack Briscoe defeating Harley race for the NWA world's heavyweight championship and, uh, Jack Briscoe being one of the great champions of all time. So just wanted to throw that out there. I don't know if you have anything to add, Rob. Just that, uh, not, yeah, Jack Briscoe is one of the greats, obviously. Mo- most people associate him with tag team achievement, and that's true. 
but he was uh, he's definitely one of the greats. I, uh, people place him in the top, you know, in a in uh, an organization that's had dozens upon dozens and dozens of champions in its story past. Jack Briscoe ranks definitely in the top, you know, fifteen or twenty uh, championship holders ever. But I think a, a, a more important uh, occurrence happens that we that we forget, and this is this is the end of Harley Race's first title reign. Harley Race would go on to to hold this particular version of the NWA championship more than any other person. He held it eight times. I think the second most was Ric Flair held the 10 pounds of gold. I may be off. I wonder if I'm thinking six times. I was just doing my numbers yesterday, but I think it was six times. Harley Race held it eight times, the 10 pounds of gold. Um, remember, one of those championship reigns was concurrently with the crown jewel. But this was the end of Harley Race's first reign. He would go on to reign seven more times, and definitely anybody who makes an argument about who's on the Mount Rushmore, you know, you, you got a lot, a substantial amount of people that make the credible argument that Harley Race is on that Mount Rushmore of the four or five greatest NWA champions in history. And tonight is the 48th anniversary of the end of his first reign, so that's pretty important as well. That's an amazing point. Thank you for bringing that up, Doc. That's why you're the historian. That's why you're the educated man. So I can't wait to dive into your thoughts on this day, the birthday of the great sweet Charlotte, the 10 pounds of gold, and the day, day uh, birthday of or the anniversary of Jack Briscoe and Harley Race's epic encounter. It's only fitting that a brand new dawn, a new era in the NWA is taking place. And it is called the Champions Series. Here we go. Look at that beautiful graphic they made there. And uh, so William Patrick Corgan has uh, thrown together a tournament, sort of. It's a round-robin kind of tournament. It's a points-based tournament, I guess is the way to put it. And uh, basically, you've got four legends uh, a lot of people saw the graphics that said eight champions. Well, these four legends are all former champions in their own right. Uh, you have four current champions, and they're drafting from a pool of 20 superstars. Uh, then the I think the way the show presented it was for status, opportunity, insurance, and yes, gold. Uh, it was an open draft. Uh, points are earned by victory. That's the way you get points. Not too complicated here, uh, which some of these things can be. This is pinfall submission, DQ, draw, whatever. So you can get some points from a draw, I think, but victory or nothing. That gets you the points. And um, team captains uh, will pick uh, their own one-on-one -on -one matchups. Each member – oh, so here's the, here's the stipulation – uh, each member of the winning team receives an open title shot that they can cash in at any time. You just saw, like, for instance, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Think of it a little bit like that. Each member of the winning team has essentially a title opportunity for whatever they want, it sounds like. Any title. They could throw it in. They could throw their name in the hat, and there they are. They can compete for that title. For the winning captain, who obviously one of the captains on each team is going to be a current champion. So what's their incentive, you might ask? Well, their incentive is if their team wins, they receive a year 
of immunity from anybody they've chosen on their team. So anybody that's under, say, Nick Aldis can't challenge Nick Aldis for the World's Heavyweight Championship as long as he holds it. So very interesting stipulation. It gives everyone some incentive to win this thing, uh, even when you're Camille or Nick Aldis and you're at the top prize that you could achieve, you're, you're, you're hopefully choosing a team that you win with, so you're choosing who you think the most dominant competitors are, and you're securing yourself uh, immunity from having to deal with them. Are we all clear on that? Did that make a lot of sense, Will? Yeah, it did. It, 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 it uh, you know, it's, it's, it's unlike anything we've ever really seen before, which is kind of cool. Um, and it is a little different. I had to open my mind a little bit as, you know, a traditional wrestling fan, but I think it's great. And I think you hit the nail on the head that there's incentive for everybody from, from the top down to win this thing. And what I personally like about it is I think strategy is going to come into play big time. Cause I don't know, they haven't really cleared this up, but I think you get a different amount of points depending on how you win a match. So there may be different points values if you win by DQ versus if you win by a pinfall or or a submission versus a pinfall or a draw. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how all that uh, plays out. But I love a good strategy, and uh, I think it's going to be, you know, like a lot like a game of chess for these teams trying to to win. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, not just how the captains work together. We saw a little bit of that tonight, uh, some dissension and uh, some things uh, as they were making their picks. But uh, along the way, uh, to see how well they work together and how their their strategies play out. But uh, yeah, I'm really intrigued by this. I'm excited to see how it how it plays out. Now, I do want to throw in for those that are asking the questions. Yes, we know that there are other champions involved. Chris Adonis was not part of the uh, choosing this time. He was not a captain on a team as the national champion. This, uh, uh, from, from our understanding, is by choice. He just chose not to participate in this specific tournament. Uh, so Chris Adonis has that right. I mean, this is just a, you know, an option or he was not, you know, it just didn't work out for Chris Adonis to show up. Kratos, on the other hand, is also one half of the tag team champions. But for those of you who don't know Kratos, uh, if you've watched the show, you probably got a hint of this. Kratos is very much a man of little talky talky, more punchy punchy. And so Kratos is looking for a fight anywhere he goes. And if it means an opportunity for more gold, well, that is Kratos's goal right now. He's a, uh, as Rob put him, a, um, he's a high, he's a gun for hire with Aaron Stevens. And, uh, right now he has tag team gold, but Kratos is very much seeking any other gold. Chris Adonis less instead of, I guess I can sort of see his side of things. He's already a national champion. And the next step for him is the world's heavyweight champion if he show uh, so chooses to do so. So he's kind of in a set position. It doesn't matter much for him to participate here unless he's doing what he did in the Battle Royal and helping his boys in Strictly Business. I mean, pre presumptively. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that for a fact. But anyway, Rob, I just got to ask you, objectively, looking at this contest, once it was laid out here tonight, you knew what was expected, the rules, uh, the objectives, the goals, all of that stuff. Can you give an opinion on what you thought about the champion series initially? 
I mean, I can give you an opinion. It's not going to be an objective opinion. There's no such thing as brute fact or brute objectivity. Uh, I mean, I can, it's like, it's like Nick Alda said, I'm going, he said, quote, I'm going through all of this rigmarole simply to try to aid someone else's ambition. And that's what this boils down to. That's why you can look on my hashtag down there and it says conspiracy series from the time that he was paired with Melina, who he said very clearly he wanted no, no part of, and they put them together anyway, to the time that, you know, he was forced to go through these motions. I, I got to look, man. You want to talk about, he mentions an act of benevolence. You want to talk about Nick Aldis being the statesman, going through this in spite of the situation, playing the part, being dutiful, you know, uh, executing the, the will of the president of the company, hashtag conspiracy Corgan. Uh, I, my respect for him is only elevated more and more. We're now past 1,000 days on his amazing championship reign. 1,004 days, by the way, two days into the anniversary of the birth of the National Wrestling Alliance itself, and here we are. Look behind me, guys. You got Pat O'Connor. You got Buddy Rogers. You got Harley Race and Tommy Rich over here. You got Luthez and Baron Leon. Down here, if you can see, you got Ric Flair and Magnum TA. Over here, you got Rhodes and Flair. Over here, you got Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer. Every single one of them right now would be rolling their eyes at the blatant, the blatant machinations, the blatant obfuscation, the blatant manipulation of the president to do anything he can to throw a wrench and an obstacle in the way of the greatest champion of the modern era. And that's my opinion. And it's not objective. Well, at least you're admitting that much. So I appreciate that part of it. Um, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say there's no incentive for Aldis, though. I feel like we just did cover uh, some incentive for Aldis. Anybody on his team can't challenge him for the 10 pounds of gold at any point within a year. So uh, so there's something. But but I will give you this. He did step out there and say that, my opinion, I'll put the title on the line anytime, anywhere. And so, you know, there's that part. All right, so so let's take a second here and let's look at who the captains were. You had announced Camille, Nick Aldis, Aaron Stevens, and the Pope. So the Pope, Aaron Stevens, Nick Aldis, Camille, some great champions. Obviously, you got the women's world champion. You got the real world's heavyweight champion. You got Aaron Stevens, who is one half of the tag team champions and Pope, who is the current television champion. And so some high quality competition already right off the bat. And some people who have loads of experience. I mean, I, I guess I would say Camille's relatively new, but obviously she knows how to plow her way through competition. So it's very interesting to see her here. And, uh, and then they're paired with four other Legends of the industry, people who have many years of success behind them, including between all of them. Uh, I forget how many championships. It's just like a load of championships between all four of them. And those people are Austin Idol, Molina, Taryn Terrell, and Velvet Sky. All four of them will be paired randomly with the other four captains. And that leads us to, let's talk a little bit about 
the open draft once they're paired together. Well, I guess, actually, let's talk about the pairings first before we get there. The teams were announced. They were randomly assigned. And so first up, you got uh, Austin Idol and Camille. So quite a team there. That's uh, If you looked at the show beforehand, you uh, you saw who uh, Austin Idol wanted. And it was Camille. He got his wish. Uh, and uh, Camille probably hoping more strictly business. Uh, but, you know, there wasn't an option there, I guess, for that. So uh, Austin Idol, Camille. Number two was Aaron Stevens and Taryn Terrell, which is Aaron and Taryn is uh, proving to be quite the team up. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with those two. Then Nick Aldis and Melita, which those two seem not quite on the same page completely and Pope and velvet sky. And those two have lots of history together dating back what they say, like 30 plus years of experience between the two of them. And uh, just, uh, they go way, way, way back. So uh, anyway, here we go. So those four teams and that order that I just gave you, that's the order that they drew from the draft. So that's their draft order. They had a snake draft. Uh, and so here we go. So here's your, here's some of your folks right here in this photo. You can see, uh, you got sky blue, Jack Dane, Colby Carino, Jordan Clearwater. I'm not going to name them all. You can see some of the names there and, uh, just a lot of fun looking at this big pool of talent that they can choose from. And that's what I want to point out, Gary. You don't even have everybody on the roster there. You've got just 20 of the, of the best names, man. I just look at that. I mean, say what you want about the series. Throw that image back up there, man. Look, look, look at what we got going on right now in the NWA. Holy cow. Genocide, Kratos, Lady Frost, Fred Rosser, Slice Boogie, Crimson, Tom Latimer, Jeremiah Plungett, probably my favorite on the list there, Colby Carino, Jordan Clearwater, Sky Blue, Jack Stane. Are you kidding me? Kinsey Page, The Prodigy, Marsha. I, again, there I am reading all the names, and then of course you got Mystery Man. I don't know what he's doing up there, but you've got you've got an amazing pool of talent, and that only scratches the surface. I love that graphic. All right, well, uh, so there you go. Whoops, sorry, I got it now. Anyway, uh, any thoughts right now, Will? Anything you want to bring up before I dive into how the rounds turned out for this one? Uh, no, I thought it was interesting, you know, when they were talking to the champions uh, to begin with as to who they wanted to partner with. I think every one of them said Austin Idol, except maybe Pope for obvious reasons. But, uh, you know, it just goes to show you and it's a good reminder of, you know, say what you want about Austin Idol and and love to hear him yell and, and talk or, or not. The dude's a legend and everybody in the locker room recognizes that those of us who are our longtime fans of, of wrestling and history of wrestling understand the uh, excellence that he brings to the table. So it was interesting that that was, you know, the first pick for, uh, for those guys and uh, interesting that he got paired with Camille and, and uh, you know, we saw a little bit of dissension first off, which I'm sure you're getting at with their first pick. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that he's in the mix on all this. It'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, influence or sway he has over someone like Camille, who seems pretty, um, you know, pretty driven to do her own thing um, and is doing a great job of it. But that that's that's one of the pairings that stuck out to me most as uh, going to be the most intriguing. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. So let's jump right in then to round one on this. Uh, Idol and Camille get the first choice. And what Will was referring to there is that Camille was very adamant about choosing Tom Latimer. And hard to blame her. I mean, Tom Latimer is a beast. And he is one of the toughest guys in the business uh, let alone the NWA. So uh, Tom Latimer, very, very good choice, I think. Now, obviously, Austin Idol would have an issue here as the manager of the towering titan of terror, uh, the great American smash, Tyrus. Uh, I don't, there was a little bit of back and forth here on this choice, but, uh, you know, like you said, already dissension of the ranks, it seems like, but uh, Idol, uh, I guess gives way to Camille here and Tom Latimer is our number one draft pick. Any thoughts here, fellas? It's hard to argue with that. I mean, you know, I I know that there's, there's a relationship there between Camille and Tom, but looking at that whole list, I mean, there's, there's a few guys that would not shock me as a number one pick. He's definitely the top of that list. So um, just that in general isn't shocking, obviously, that that Camille was the one that got to make that pick. Um, and, you know, Austin Idol is, has got kind of uh, all his chips in on Tyrus, so understandably uh, being upset about that. But, you know, they made the best of it. Doc, before you jump in there, let me just say to Brian B. in the chat, listen, man, I want to be good to you. We're happy that you're a paying customer of the NWA, but honestly, we've we've heard it. We get it. And if this is the hill you want to die on, then fair enough. But you're just irritating everybody else in the chat. And so uh, just no more of that or you're out. All right, Doc, let's go. Um, I, I think part of the really from, you know, here it is. The champion series is here. We got to live with it. Okay like it or not. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of, uh, enthusiasm for it. I'm one of the ones who I, I don't, I don't, let me, let me get this straight. I don't hate the premise of this. I just see behind this, some sinister, um, activity. I see some sinister motives as it were, but all things being equal. Okay. One of the interesting things to me here in the early parts of this episode is seeing how the dynamics between, the legends and the champions play out. Like I'm really seeing a lot of chemistry between sky blue, or excuse me, uh, velvet sky and the Pope. And I thought I saw a lot of chemistry between Camille and Austin idol until this pick was made. But again, all things being equal. If I were a team captain, if I were say Nick Aldis, and basically let's be honest, we're basically the same person. <laughs> if, I, if, if I were Nick Aldis, my first pick would be Tom Latimer, no doubt about it. I think that's a legitimate first pick. Obviously, Austin's got his motivations and his uh, uh, his own uh, presuppositional pre-commitments, but I think Camille did a great job in this pick. I don't see any personal uh, incentive behind this at all. I think that she, being a champion, knows what it takes to assemble a great team, and I think she made she she landed the number one overall draft pick, and in my book, it's Tom Latimer. Love Nathan in the chat saying, uh, can we crowdfund Doc getting some new cereals, some uh, Conspirios? That's good. I like that. Anyway, all right. Uh, so let's jump in. Uh, second pick of the night. Well, if uh, Idol and Camille aren't going to do it, well, Aaron and Taryn, the lovely couple. Taryn, I do mean lovely. You're so pretty. Anyway, uh, Tyrus. Tyrus is taken by uh, 
Aaron Taron. So uh, the Great or, American or Smash would be number two. Or Terrace, as Aaron Steven keeps calling. This, I mean, it's it's hard to hate on this team. Uh, Aaron and Taryn are the, the I mean, I think Taryn called them cute. And uh, so normally I don't use that word, but it's true. They are the cutest. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, uh, next up in the round one, Melina and Nick Aldis choose Crimson. And uh, that was a surprise to some. Uh, Joe Galley seemed to question Aldis's pick, and Aldis took offense to that. Uh, Aldis uh, Galley asking about Murdoch being out there in the uh, you know for opportunity in this uh, tournament, and Aldis doesn't care. He chooses his friend and uh, thinks there's nothing more dangerous than a man with something to prove, and he feels that Crimson has that, so he chooses Crimson in this tournament. And then uh, I'll just go ahead and finish off here. So with that, Velvet Sky and Pope end up taking Trevor Murdoch as their round one pick. And uh, so there you go. You've got Tom Latimer, Tyrus, Crimson, and Murdoch off the board. Round one, anything you guys want to add to that one? No, I'll agree that uh, Crimson was a surprise, and that's no disrespect to him. He's, uh, you know... He's every much a, a first round draft pick in any tournament. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I personally did not think that Nick in any universe would have picked Trevor Murdoch. So that wasn't as big of a shock to me as apparently it was to Joe Galley. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a, I'm a big Joe Galley fan and I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy guy. Um, but that did kind of shock me a little bit because I was like, well, obviously, like, have you been paying attention? Nick's not going to team up with Trevor. That doesn't make any sense. Um, so that didn't shock me. Um, but, you know, you've got a lot of other great guys out there. You've got Crimson and Jack Stain, and you've got um, people out there that that would have made a great pick. And uh, and he went with Crimson. And I can't fault him for that. I mean, this is a guy that he's known for years and, and he knows the competitive spirit. We've seen his competitive spirit of, of Crimson on NWA. Um, and so, you you know, I think, again, just like we said about Tom and uh, these other guys, that's that's a good first round pick, no matter how you cut it. Go ahead, Doc. Uh, I have to agree with Will. His explanation is sound, though, roughly stated uh, and for <laughs> and for different reasons. First of all, Joe Galley, gerrymander Joe Galley. In. To question this pick, you already have to have the assumption that Nick Aldis is being set up. You already have to have that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Nick Aldis has no intentions of losing this championship series. And if he is certain that he's going to win it, and why shouldn't he be? He's been the world's heavyweight champion for 1,004 days, the fifth single, excuse me, the sixth single longest reign in the history of this entity, this company. Um, why shouldn't he be certain he's going to win this? And if he is, then Trevor Murdoch has no threat anyway. He has no threat anyway. He's already been beaten. He's going to be beaten again on, on the 24th. Um, and we're going to put an end to the myth of Trevor Murdoch. What is, what is Nick Aldis doing though? He's setting up probably one of the most deserving, one of the most, um, really exciting and and intriguing athletes in the sport of professional wrestling. One with maybe the highest trajectory of all 
right up there with Tom Latimer and Crimson. I think this pick totally makes sense. And only if you were like Jerry Mander Joe and Irish Pat Kenny, Conspiracy Corgan and Billy the Kid Trask, only if you were like those guys thinking that this is a setup and it's a pick that's going to pay off, would you even assume that Nick Aldis in any universe, in any time-space continuum ever would pick a man like Trevor Murdoch on his team? And those are facts. Okay, I've got like a Basically million things. exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah, well, but except I've got a million things that you act like, like, you know what? Now it's probably yeah, not let's go. But but no, to act like Fact Trevor Murdoch is not a deserving. Fact and fallacy, Gary. Fact and fallacy, Gary. Come on. I'm just saying to to act like Trevor Murdoch doesn't be like deserve a pick. You're you're just like writing him off as like he's a nobody. Is he's a non-factor in this tournament? Saying, he has consistently since joining the NWA. Back to the end been, of the line, Trevor. Back to the end of the line. That's what I'm saying. Whatever. Anyway, all right. Let's jump into round number two. Uh, Velvet. It's round number two, but I'm going to call it what uh, B. For a couple of reasons. One, uh, we don't want to, uh, as Doc would say, point A, we don't want to relegate the women to the second round. They're just as important for these first round picks. And point two, we want to say, <laughs> we want to, uh, Joe Galley kept calling round three, round two anyway. So, <laughs> we'll, uh, so we're assuming that's what they were going for. So here we are, round number one B, we get the women involved. And Velvet Sky and Pope, who seem to be super cohesive as a team, Pope tossing the expertise on this one over to Velvet Sky, letting her make the choice. And she makes a damn fine choice, if I say so myself, in picking genocide. And so the mighty genocide is already on board with Pope and Velvet. Melina and Aldis get second pick in this round, and they go with Sky. Blue, which is interesting. I wouldn't have expected that from Melina, but that is what she did here. And uh, she seemed to have some issues with Sky previously, but here we are. Taryn and Aaron, they may have a sleeper pick here, as far as I'm concerned, when they choose Lady Frost. Let us not forget how good Lady Frost has looked in the middle of the ring. She has been on top of her game. So Taryn and Aaron, excellent pick here. But that is not to discount Austin Idol and Camille as they choose Kinsey Page for their final choice here. And actually, I guess it was kind of on them that this was Kinsey was the last person in the tournament. So it's not to say that she's last pick, but this is especially interesting to me that Kinsey Page, uh, blue chipper, as Rob called her previously in her own right, Kinsey Page has a title match with Camille this weekend. So it's it's kind of fun that they ended up on the same team together here in the champion series. So I'm curious what you guys think about these round two picks. Yeah, I thought I thought uh I mean it's again it's hard to argue with any of them. Uh I think for me, genocide being the first pick, I think that's probably the route I would have gone. Um, I don't know if you agree, Rob, but uh, just looking at what what was out there on the board, it's it's hard to not pick genocide first. And I do agree with Gary that Lady Frost, I don't know that I'd call her a sleeper pick. I mean, maybe just in the sense that she hasn't really scratched the surface of what she can and is probably going to accomplish in the NWA yet. So, um, but 
I think she's she's well qualified to be there for sure. And I think she's going to make some waves along the way. And uh, Kinsey Page, that's definitely uh, interesting. I do think the sky blue pick was interesting. And I think later on in the night we heard uh, from from Nick Aldis, the champ, that um, that may have been his his doing. That's who he wanted um, because he seems to be really high on sky blue and, and her future and what she's. Um, going to be able to accomplish and, and sees a lot of uh, a lot of potential in her. Um, so I, you know, I thought it was solid. I'm, I'm glad to see those four ladies in the tournament, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. And I have no idea where Gary is. <laughs> I just yeah, realized he's uh, not here. Rob, yeah. over to you. Right? Yeah, you got you got the uh, a matter of power versus principle here when you when you when you look at the the two women on either side of the selection here in the first round of the women's draft. Genocide on one end, Kenzie Page on the other. The margin of difference between these four women are so is so slim. And you'd look at Kenzie Page and Sky Blue, no doubt, two prodigies, two blue chip prospects. Are they there yet to make that step into world championship title con- con- uh, contention? Are they ready to challenge for the Burke? I don't know. Most people in the world would have said Tommy Rich was not ready. And what did he do? He upset Harley Race, one of the greats of all time. He reigned for five days, five or six days, something like that. James Lawrence probably has the exact figure. Um, but uh, when, when the margin of, of difference at the talent level, at the potential level, as it were, is so slim, anything can really happen. Now, the conventional wisdom, obviously, here is that the heavy favorites and the ones you want to get your hands on in this draft are going to be genocide, pure power, pure aggression, a monster, and Lady Frost, who's obviously almost gained cult-like iconic status as a journey woman um, on the independent scene and now making an international name for herself, accomplishing things across the world. Uh, but don't sleep on, on Kinsey Page. And I'm going to tell you right now, if, if these picks were delegated to me, if someone issued a pick to me and said, hey, this is your person, I can't see being dissatisfied with any one of them. Because I see power in two of them. I see potential in the other two. And I see really greatness in all four of them. I got to say the most intelligent pick, though, is Camille. Camille picked uh, a Camille and Austin Idol picked Kenzie Page, who I think is widely recognized as the most promising young female athlete in the world. She does have a title shot coming up here in a couple of days and may, may be uh, the champion after that, the holder of the bird. Gary and I will be there that night. Uh, so I, I gotta say that, you know, uh, you, you want to keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. And I think Camille is doing just that. And, uh, if you guys have ever seen Camille, uh, or excuse me, Kenzie page wrestle, we've seen her multiple times close up. If you can get immunity from her for a year, you've done yourself a huge favor. So I think this is a brilliant pick on the part of, uh, of Camille and Austin idol. And by the way, what did Austin Idol say about this pick? Even though she was the last pick, a designated pick, she said he said, big things come in small packages. And I agree with him 100% and more. I'm just gonna see I love when Gary talk. talks on mute. <laughs> <laughs> He's so animated. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just thinking out loud, and I was just like, what if – Kenzie Page beats Camille this weekend at the Hilton Rumble, the gathering yeah. too. 
That's kind of interesting. That would be uh, quite the scenario. So anyway, just throwing that out there. But here we are. I guess this is, since Doc brought it up, this is a perfect time to tell you guys, if you're not already going, if you're in the area, even close, within 100 miles even, of Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, if there's ever been NWA country, Charlotte, North Carolina is it. And uh, the Hilton Rumble, they're calling it. It's at the Gathering 2, which is a whole festival. It starts on like Thursday evening, runs all the way till Sunday. And uh, lots going on. But on July 24th, specifically, there's a morning signing with a bunch of stars and a lot of matches taking place that evening. And and some great stuff, too, by the way. Not 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 just uh throwaway stuff. I mean, there's a uh, women's tag team match between Samantha Starr, uh, who has, uh, or I'm sorry, I don't think this is a tag team match. I think they're just in their quarter. Baby doll in the quarter of Samantha Starr and Shalance Royal uh, having Dark Journey in her quarter. And uh, so that's going to be exciting. You got Sam Houston in action that night, which is quite the treat. Sam Houston and uh, Lodi is there. You got Colby Carino, NWA's own Colby Carino, taking on John Schuyler. You got Mike Jackson in action. But the ones we're going to focus in on this evening are, of course, there is an NWA World's Women's Championship. The Burke on the line as Camille defends against Kenzie Page. And, of course, Sweet Charlotte, whose birthday is today. Celebrate good times. Come on. Sweet Charlotte on the line, the 10 pounds of gold as Nick Aldis defends one more time against Trevor Murdoch. The whole landscape of the NWA could change this Saturday. This whole champion series could be upended this Saturday. So you don't want to miss that. It's Charlotte, North Carolina, Hilton University Place, July 24th. It's the gathering too. There is so much going on. I can't even begin to tell you how much stuff is happening that day uh, on the 24th, much less the rest of the time. Rachel Ellering is going to be there, daughter of the great Paul Ellering. Um, just so much stuff. I think I think uh, Dennis Codry is going to be there. I feel like I saw Barry Windham on the list uh, and uh, Barbarian and Warlord. I'm seeing them here. There's a photo op opportunity with the Barbarian and the Warlord. Camille and Nick Aldis, photo opportunities. The, uh, oh, man, there's so much stuff. The Mulkey Brothers are there, for God's sake. How could you miss this? The Gathering 2, Charlotte, North Carolina. you got to get down there. And uh, it's it's going to be a blast. So, anyway. Just throwing that out there for the gathering, too. This is going to be huge. All right. Well, that out of the way. Oh, I, I should throw out the revolt's going to be there as well. And uh, that, uh, of course, includes Caleb Conley, who's also been a regular face in the National Wrestling Alliance as well. So shout out Caleb Conley. Round with number three. Caleb with a K. Caleb with a K. Yeah, you see him regularly on TNA Impact right now. So uh, round number two, we're going to call this. I guess uh, Camille and Idol get the first pick and they make quite the choice. The man who doesn't even have to be in this tournament, but just chooses to, cause he's a bad dude. And that is the almighty Kratos is in this one. And uh, so Kratos going to team Camille team idol. Next up, Aaron and Taryn 
make a decision. Now, Aaron doesn't seem like he's necessarily jumping in here, but if I got to give her credit, credit where it's due, besides being just lovely beyond belief, Taryn, you're gorgeous. Anyway, uh, JTG is chosen for Aaron and Taryn. And uh, who can blame them? Because that's an amazing pick, which leads to Melina and Nick Aldis actually seeming to agree on this one. They go with Mr. No Days Off, Fred Rosser. And then the final pick of this round, Velvet Sky and the Pope roll with. And props to those two for acknowledging this fact that a lot of people feel like for some reason is lost in the shuffle, but it is not lost on the NWA. Former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Mr. Jax Dane, goes to Velvet Sky and the Pope. And so, huge next round. How you guys feeling on this one? Uh, I feel great about it. I mean, I think, you know, I feel like it keeps building each round as we go, and it was no different during this round, and seeing uh, guys like JTG and Fred Rosser um, and and Kratos, obviously. I mean, that one, I, you know, I guess I had seen him on the graphic when they were showing who was going through who was available, but I, I guess I had kind of forgotten it, and because he's already a champion, it was kind of an afterthought. But lucky for, for Camille and Austin Idol, they were very aware of him being on the board, and I think that's going to pan out to be a great pick for them. Um, but, yeah, these, these picks are – crazy and then Jack Dane, you know as you mentioned former nwa world heavyweight champion um you know getting him on there i mean when they said that i, I did kind of have the thought i was like man why didn't he go sooner um and maybe people you know just were overlooking him for some reason but i think that's going to be a mistake and i mean that's that's a gain for for pope and velvet for sure um but yeah i mean it's and and going back to what rob said when we were looking at everybody available it's like it, it, it's crazy in the NWA right now. You can't go wrong with any of these picks. I mean, when you get down even to the alternates, as we're going to talk about in a minute, any of those guys are quality picks. So, you know, we're at a spot in the NWA where something like this, and that's why I'm excited about the champion series as a whole, because I mean, and we'll get to the matchups in a minute, but it's like, it can go either way at any time because of the level and, and the caliber of talent in the NWA. And I think that's, what's going to make, this champion series even more intriguing. You don't have these, you know, definite like, oh, this this guy's going to win, this girl's going to win. Um, it's it's it can really go either way, and I know that's a cliche in wrestling, and we say that a lot, but I feel like with the current landscape of the National Wrestling Alliance, it's absolutely true. Um, so I'm excited. I, I was just going to concur with uh, with Will. Uh, I, I know you're. I see you looking at me, Rob. Uh, no, I was just going to agree with Will that that one thing he pointed out there that I absolutely agree with that that I also noticed and uh, is it's that what's wild about the NWA is you can't discount the level of competition. Any one of these people you could see potentially being a champion in the NWA, and so uh, I think that that's not a thing that a lot of companies get away with that. Everybody here is on fire, and they are they are legit competitors in a prize fight atmosphere. But anyway, Doc, uh, any thoughts on this round? Uh, clearly, uh, Pope and uh, Velvet Sky winning this round with uh, Jack Stain again. I think uh, uh, you make a good point, Will. Uh, why why did he go earlier? Uh, obviously, there's a lot going on right now. There might be some distraction. Maybe that's what the captains and the legends saw with 
the things going on with Slice Boogie and between him and Crimson. But, uh, you know, if I got a chance to have a former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion on my team, that's the pick I'm making. If Tim Storm were on there, shoot. I'd pick Tim Storm. Makes sense, man. Roll with the guys who have been to the top. The mountaintop, as Tim Storm would always call it. So uh, there you go. Well, let's talk about round number four. Uh, interesting choice in round number four. Pope and Velvet with the first choice, and they roll with the mystery man. Very, very interesting. Uh, the man that nobody knows who he is or much about him. He's only been uh, hired and all the paperwork handled by William Patrick Corgan, and there he is. He gets chosen Pope and Velvet, betting on the mystery so uh i uh, kind of love to see it it's just exciting it's, it adds an intriguing element to the story and uh we'll, we'll see where this thing goes uh if you saw his matchup with mims he's no slouch the guy is a technical wizard in the middle of that ring so it's going to be interesting to see what happens next up in the round aldis and melina take on slice boogie which is interesting to me already because that means Crimson and Slice Boogie are on the same team. What's going on there? That was the first thing I noticed. And uh, Aaron and Taryn take Marche Rocket, which they actually seem to agree on. No question there, which is uh, Marche Rocket. Uh, a lot of potential there in that guy. We saw him with a big victory on a power surge over Jeremiah Plunkett. And uh, then Idol and Camille end up taking the big, strong Mims, which is another blue chipper in the nwa right now a rookie but by no means a pushover big strong mims will what do you think about this next to the last round here uh yeah sorry had to find the mute button <clears throat> um i mean it's it's just as intriguing as all the other rounds i mean again you've got uh you know interesting matchups you bring up a good point about slice boogie and and crimson now being on the same team it's yet to be seen how well the actual teammates are going to have to work together that'll be interesting to see when it comes to um that dynamic um but you've got a, a pretty good lineup of of guys coming out in this round too between mims and mystery man who we've seen uh go toe to toe and and mystery man really you know holding his ground and showing uh, kind of his cards as to what he can do in the ring, which was pretty impressive. And then uh, Marche Rocket and, and Slice Boogie, who have tag teamed together, um, and going back to uh, back for the attack, or not back for the attack, but in last season of power and um, and beyond. So, uh, you know, a lot of guys on the board in this round that, that work well together, um, but that will now, you know, inevitably have to face each other at some point. So interesting. Doc, I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this one. As been waiting. as in, as know, impressed with the mystery man involved. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, okay. But as impressed as I've been with the cohesion, you look at the legends and the and the champions that have been paired together. None of us can deny that it appears that the most cohesive team is Velvet uh, Sky and the Pope. They obviously have a rapport. They're enthusiastic. They've made brilliant picks, brilliant picks until this one. And I mm. have to take issue with this one because this right here seems to me just as a playing out of the plan that was concocted weeks, months in advance, even as this, 
mystery man here by the invitation of President William Patrick Corrigan coming in here under a disguise with obviously, you know, uh, loaded motives. He says he's not part of any kind of conspiracy. He's disavowed that, but it seems to me. As I interrupt, whatever this is, I'm here to speak to you, the people that support the NWA. The championship series isn't just the beginning of my story. It's the beginning of me proving something to myself that I deserve to be in the NWA, that I deserve to become a champion because when I'm in that ring, I feel alive. I feel more alive than I've ever felt in my entire life and I want you to feel it too. It's unfortunate that a lot of people still hold on to a lot of conspiracies, Rob. Maybe you should spend a little bit of time with your mouth shut and your ears open because there's no hidden meaning behind the words that I say. This is the beginning of change. This is the beginning of how outsiders look at our sport. When I fought Mims, that was just showing you a little bit of what I'm capable of. During this championship series, I hold nothing back. Be ready. Doc, did you change the freaking password last time? Like, what is happening here? Why I've does this guy keep showing? I've never had access to any of this. We don't give Rob passwords for obvious reasons. <laughs> well, somebody has apparently handed out the password to Mystery Man. I don't know why he keeps interrupting this show, but it's super weird. And it's always when Doc gets on a rant about him. Maybe you should just... I don't know. I'm just saying he tossed out the idea of uh, keeping your mouth closed and your ears open, which would be certainly unique for you. Um, it's just, it's just a thought. You seem to be starting a feud with the mystery man. And I don't, I don't know. Something about that guy creeps me out. So I don't know if that's a great idea. I don't know the mystery man. I don't know the mystery man. And, and you, don't worry about why, why are you coming at me, man? I'm, I'm a humble podcaster. I'm just, I'm just a fan like anybody else. I don't hold any kind of sway. You, I'm just talking. Okay, he if, just jumps into our stream randomly. Let me finish. You focus. If you're here to make a difference and an impact, focus on Nick Aldis. Focus on Chris Adonis. Focus on the Pope. Don't focus on me. You need to get your mind off me. Secondly, there's no mystery behind any of the words you say. Are you kidding me? Everything you've said has been a mystery. Literally, everything you've said has been a mystery. You come in here under a disguise, under a mask, at least. Everything I say and do is in the plain light of day for the whole world to see and hear. But you speak in riddles and enigmas. So don't come at me with like, there's no hidden conspiracy or hidden message. You are a living, breathing, acting, walking, talking, hidden message. That is exactly what you are. And if you have a problem with it, don't check it out with me. I don't want any of you. I say what you did to, with Mims. I don't, that's not me. Take it up with a guy like Nick Aldis. Take it up with a guy like Kratos or Aaron Stevens. You want to make a difference? Take it up with them. That's all I've got to say about that. But I will tell you, the fact that you're in here, at least in my mind, my uninformed mind, because I need to keep my ears up and my mouth shut, my uninformed mind says that this is more evidence that the fix is in, hashtag, the fix is in. And you are living proof of it. I mean, all, all I'm seeing is a guy that shows up on the live stream and he's telling you he's here for gold and he's part of the championship series. 
and he intends to take every advantage. I mean, they, that seems to be the streamlined thing you would want out of a contender in the NWA. This is a guy who clearly is not looking to be handed anything. He wants a prize fight atmosphere, and he's just letting you know. Don't, don't come out here and say that nothing you've said has been cloaked or hidden or in riddles or whatever. Literally everything from his interview with May Valentine, God bless her, to his very appearance to the reason he's here, every single thing about him is wrapped in mystery. He's called the mystery man. That's what they're calling him. This isn't something that I've dreamed up, guys. I'm not the one sitting here by myself just dreaming up, just wishing there's a conspiracy because I need something to talk about. They call him the mystery man. He is a mystery. His presence here is a mystery. I'll tell you what's not a mystery. The fact that he's here because of William Patrick Corgan. And for me, that means it's part of something deep, dark, and sinister. That's what it means to me. And until I'm proven otherwise, I don't want to hear anything else. Well, I'm sorry. You really don't... in our control, apparently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what you right. hear and what you don't hear. Also, uh, it'd be a very uh, one-sided show if he doesn't hear anything else. <laughs> Will, did you have something you wanted to add to that? Uh, no, I mean, he, the mystery man is intriguing. And I see what you're saying, Rob. He's he's cloaked in mystery. But to me, uh, you know, because Rob, you and I aren't on, on, on the, aren't on the same, you know, conspiracy wavelength uh, on this, maybe other conspiracies. But uh, the only thing that's a mystery to me at this point is his identity. Uh, he's been pretty clear about why he's here. He wants to become a champion. And so I, I think it's inevitable, as you say, he's going to go after a Nick Aldis or something like that. But then how does like if he were to go after Nick Aldis right now and say, hey, Nick Aldis, I'm calling you out. You would just scream that that's more evidence of a conspiracy, that he's going straight after Aldis. So there's really no winning with you in, in this whole scenario. But for me, the only mystery is his identity. And at this point, after seeing what he did in the ring with Matthew Mims, I'm I'm not that concerned about, you know, I'm not like hell bent on knowing exactly who he is. I want to see what he comes and does. If, if he if he makes good on his claim to become a champion and with any of those champions you mentioned, the Pope is another one who's a champion. You know, that's that's a viable contender, too. So, you know how he gets there. Maybe this champion series is how he gets there. Um, so that that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Based on last weekend, this week, I mean, the thing that's my takeaway for the mystery man uh, or masked mystery or what other name the NWA has given him or any number of narrators have given him is that he's just basically trying to come in as faceless and just prove his worth. He's not looking to tell you I deserve something because of who I am or Vice versa. Maybe he's like not an old name. Maybe he just thinks all people are going to do is look at him and constantly talk about how he's not a regularly known name or he's a really known name. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who he is. What he told us last week is that he's coming to win gold. He wants you to just look at him and recognize the mask and see that when he comes into the ring, he means business. He's going to fight and he's going to win and he's going to show you that everybody who's gotten lax around the National Wrestling Alliance is about to wake up because he is here and he's going to win championships. All right. Well, maybe, let's maybe, maybe bro. <laughs> let's move on to the next round. <laughs> the uh, next round of the tournament is the alternates round, and uh, we'll see how this plays out. These were randomly assigned. 
And so here you go. Camille and I will get Sal Renaro, uh, our pal Sal, and Aaron and Taryn get Jordan Clearwater, who a lot of people I know, we know, you'd have had him as a blue chipper first round black draft pick. Uh, Jordan Clearwater entering in on Aaron Stevens and Taryn Terrell's team. Aldis and Malia, Melina get Jeremiah Plunkett, who is a tough, tough man, if ever there was one, from Tater Pillar, Tennessee. And then, of course, Pope and Velvet. I mean, this wasn't even their choice, but you want to talk about luck in the draw. They have got one of the most dangerous men in the National Wrestling Alliance in Colby Carino joining their team. So the teams are set. We are ready to go. We're going to talk about those teams in just one second. I want to take a, a moment, if I could, folks, to tell you guys that we are part of a show called This Is Pro Wrestling. We're over at, at TIPW Show on all the social medias. You can check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash This Is Pro Wrestling. We'd be honored if you gave us a subscribe, gave us a follow on the social media of your choice. Uh, we just, uh, we, we, we love pro wrestling, as you can probably tell, even from this conversation and the NWA and us, we just have a cohesive thing going on here because they love pro wrestling too. And they're just trying to have a good time with all of you people. So they let us jump on here and have a post show so we can talk about what we've seen on NWA power and talk about pro wrestling in general. And so we're just so happy uh, and, and, and grateful to them for letting us have this platform. So I just wanted to throw that out there if I could for a second. All right. So I'm going to throw them up here. We've got the teams. What I want to know is in the chat, Doc will boom. Here they are. Here are the teams. Who's the strongest? Who, who, who do you have as your number one seed as far as teams go? What what are we thinking here? Uh, I'm looking uh, forward to the chat, I'll, but I'll, I'll throw to Will first. Yeah, go ahead. I'll I'll go first, man. And just looking at this list, it is a no brainer for me. Pope and Velvet Sky have lucked out. They've got Trevor Murdoch, who has been hot as of late. Genocide, who is arguably, uh, you know, aside from from Camille, who holds the title, the most powerful woman on the roster. Uh, you got a former champion in Jack Stane. You got the mystery man, uh, a little bit of dissension here among the three of us, but I think he's a great pick. And then Colby Carino, uh, you mentioned it a, a, a moment ago, but I mean, out of those alternates, I mean, I agree. Jordan Clearwater, he is a blue chip prospect. Sal Renaro has proven himself in, in the last few uh, months being a championship contender. Jeremiah Plunkett, experience, um, brute power, and and great professional wrestler. But Colby Carino's got something to prove, man. We saw that um, in the last couple of months as well with, with, you know, he's made it very clear he wants to be a champion. So when you're talking about determination grit and drive i think that team of pope and velvet sky they've they've got it all and more so that would be my number one pick right now doc i gotta go to you man how are you feeling about this uh how how's there uh, i mean and, and, and as a as a advocate for strictly business i mean you've got two members of strictly business opposing each other in this exact competition so i'm curious where you land Oh, no doubt. Nick Aldis and Molina have the strongest pound for pound team from top to bottom. I mean, you look at uh uh you look at that first round slate of Tom Latimer, Tyrus Crimson, and Trevor Murdoch. I've got to get a little bit of an edge. And again, anything can happen, but Tom Latimer to me is just so so powerful. And and 
I, I just think that, that 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 was the the most surprising and probably most uh, not most surprising but most common sense pick I think in that first round. Second round, I've got to give the nod to Pope and Velvet Sky with Genocide. Third round, man, I'm going with Fred Rosser. Fourth round, I'm going with Slice. And then uh, the fifth round, Jeremiah Plunkett. Of those four blue chip prospects, um, and 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 Sal Renaro, <laughs> you got. I mean, you can't you can't doubt that uh, uh, rounding out with 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 three wins of the five rounds, man, Nick Aldis and Molina have, I think everybody has high points and every single one of these talents are incredible. Every single one of them are, but I think Nick Aldis and Molina have assembled the most balanced team. And for that reason, and due to the genius experience, wisdom and talent of Molina and Nick Aldis, this team is going to come out on top. I, I look at this this group myself just personally and, and and my choice would rely on like who I think is like most versatile. And so Doc, you you do make an excellent point there. Uh Will makes an excellent point with Pope and Velvet's team. Hard to disagree with that. They've got some real talent on there, but a lot of questionable stuff to me. Um I would say like an easy one to look at right now would be Camille and Austin Idol, the women's champion. Uh, is just uh, so far beyond her years, like as far as uh, her, her aptitude for professional wrestling. And of course, with Austin Idol being a legend in this business and just uh, an intelligent businessman, no less. Uh, these guys with with Tom Latimer, who easily tomorrow, if he so chose to do it, which we know he won't, could be the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. And then you've got Kinsey Page, the ultimate blue chipper. Rob, you said it yourself. Kinsey Page is there. Kratos, can you imagine anybody on any one of these other teams pitting Kratos? The most feared Kratos is there. Mids is there. The uh, Another outstanding blue chipper, just the big strong man, Mims. And Sal Renaro, who by hooker, by crook, just refuses to die Sal Romanaro, the workhorse of the NWA. I would love that team except for, I have to say I did all of that. I am not going to lie. It was a build up to say that Aaron Stevens, Aaron and Taren actually have the best team on this board. These guys are ridiculous. Uh, can we talk about lady frost? Oh my God. Perhaps the best wrestler in the NWA's women's division. She is on top of her game. She, she is fit. She is ready. She is technically sound. She is a monster in the middle of the ring. And can you discount JTG? Oh my God. JTG is fantastic. Bell to bell. That guy, he barely lost to Chris Adonis. And uh, David, that win was questionable. And then you got Jordan Clearwater, the guy that a lot of people in this chat would have taken in the first round as your alternate, Jordan Clearwater, come on. And then let's not discount the veteran, Marche Rocket, with a big victory over Jeremiah Plunkett on Power Surge. It just, top to bottom, just size and agility. All in one man, Marche Rocket is a prototype in the middle of the ring. And then, of course, you've got Tyrus, which nobody's, Barely anybody's even taken him off his feet, much less pinned the dude. So you're going to tell me that Tyrus, Lady Frost, JTG, Marche Rocket, Jordan Clearwater aren't the best team on this board? Come on. Aaron and Taryn, all day long for me. 
Good team. It's a good team. It's. I mean, it's honestly, gonna... it's hard. It's hard to bet against any of these teams, and that's just what we were talking about. It's not. It's not us I trying think... to be be political. It's just. Uh, I mean, it's just the reality of the landscape of the NWA right now is that you pick twenty people off the roster and you split them up onto teams, and it's anybody's game, and uh, that's what makes yeah. it most compelling. You know. I think. I think it's going to come down to because because you know all of the teams, all four teams have their strong suits. All of them do. I think it's really going to come down to who is able to to lay everything aside, all the drama, all the intrigue, all the personal rivalry. Who's going to be able to lay all that aside in the interest of a goal ahead of them and be business-focused, strictly business-focused, if you will. Uh, whoever can do that, I think at the end of the day, is going to pull this thing out. All of them have strong suits, but at the end of the day, it's going to take a strictly business mind to win this thing. Shout out to Roy DeCaps in the uh, chat, uh, just uh, pointing out Tim Storm's commentary tonight. It was fantastic, just the insight he provided. I, I will roll with that. Guys, we got to start moving this thing along. I know we're we're running everybody uh, late here tonight, but it's just so fun talking about the setup for the Champion Series. And uh, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot to discuss and we're going to get into more of it. Brian, I see you in the chat. Yeah, I think anybody who wins this, my understanding, we can get clarification from the NWA, but any winning team, uh, if you're not already a champion, you, you've you've got a shot at championship gold. So wherever you want it, you can cash it in. And uh, yeah, so uh, Joe Galley and Tim Storm, fantastic job tonight uh, on commentary. If we could give those guys a shout out. All right, let's talk about night one or at least block A and block B of this tournament was set up here for us. And uh, we can run through those matchups Now we won't go through every single detail of the decision making process, but we will show you the matchups that are here and uh, it, it was definitely a chess game when it came to uh, deciding each each per team got to place a wrestler in a block. Now, with the women, if a person was placed, you know, there was only one possible competitor as far as team A versus team B, you know, that sort of thing. So here we go. Uh, so Camille and Austin Idol are matched up against Aaron Stevens and Terrence Terrell's team in block A here. And uh, so it looks like, uh, I think Camille and Austin immediately went right to their number one choice, the number one overall pick, Tom Latimer, in position number one. So to counter that, Aaron Taron seems to put Tyrus in position four. This led to the other guys taking Kenzie Page, or uh, no, actually, I think the snake draft was in effect. Aaron and Taron put Lady Frost into position three, which automatically made Kidsy Page there. Kratos was placed up against Tyrus, which makes all the sense of the world, of course. And that left Mims and JTG in block A to take on each other. Curious, uh, you guys, what are your thoughts on these matchups? Who do you see coming out on top here? Uh, I would say are... that. Uh... Go ahead, Will. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. Okay. Uh, 
I mean, uh, these are all intriguing right, matchups. Ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, these are all intriguing matchups. I mean, obviously, uh, Tom Latimer and, and Marche Rocket. I mean, that's going to be one to write home about. That's 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 a marquee matchup at, at any event. Um, but you know, Mims and JTG. I mean, that's huge. Kenzie Page and Lady Frost. Are you kidding me? Um, you know, Kratos and Tyrus. These guys have actually uh, faced off one on one before. So this, but it's it's an interesting matchup, and these guys have been through a lot since then. So. I mean, all of these are are set up to be uh, super competitive. I, I don't know that there's clear – again, I don't know that there's clear winners in any of these. It, it may be just based on your personal fandom and your preference. Um, but, uh, yeah, this could go either way. Yeah, I, I think uh, – say what you want about the, the Champion Series – one of the very positive byproducts of it is that we get some incredible matches. I think we we personally on this show mentioned a a Kratos Tyrus drawn out rivalry as being something that would be a positive thing for for pro wrestling. I'd love to see that. We've seen it before. I'd love to see it again. Kenzie Page and Lady Frost. Are you kidding me? Mims JTG, Tom Latimer, and Marche Rocket. Every single one of these matches are main events. Every single one of them are. So say what you want. You got to like the byproduct, which is we're going to get to see some fantastic competition over the next several weeks. All right. Very cool. Uh, yeah, it's hard to, man, there's just going to be, I'm here for that Kratos and Tyrus match. That's going to be a Haas fight for sure. And uh, Kenzie Page and Lady Frost is going to be a lot of Mibs versus JTG. That just, ah, uh, I'm already pumped about block A. So let's look at block B real quick, if we could. And Nick Aldis and Melina. Here, they choose uh, Crimson at position number three. Uh, and I think uh, Pope and Velvet put Trevor at number two. And I forget exactly what order they all went in here, but it led to genocide in position number one, which automatically gave a spot to Sky Flu. Mystery Man matched up against Crimson. And Slice Boogie matched up against Jax Dane, making it even more more interesting as if their drama wasn't enough the crimson jack stain slice boogie triangle uh now slice and crimson are on the same team and slice needs to beat jack's dane so what does this mean for the war kings how does this all play out that's one of the interesting things that stands out also huge test for mystery man taking on crimson fred rosser versus trevor murdoch that's bound to be a lot of fun. And Genocide versus Sky Blue, two of the hottest acts in the NWA right now, their women's division. So curious what your thoughts are. Doc, I'll throw to you first this time. <laughs> He's muted. Very awesome. Awesome, man. I, I love these. Very intriguing to me is the uh, the Slice Boogie Jack Stain matchup, obviously, for for – for, for reasons that have played out in the last few episodes uh, of Power, uh, Fred Roster versus Trevor Murdoch, Sky Blue versus Genocide. Again, I'd pay to see either of those matches on main events. Crimson, please do me a favor. I want you to go in there against Mystery Man, and I want you to rip that mask out and expose this mystery for, for what it is. I want you to go ahead and put an end to this charade and uh, uh, do us all a favor. I love these matchups, man. I'm very interested and invested in all four of them uh, in their own right, not because of, but in spite of the champion series, the conspiracy series. 
Well, I'll say that the most intriguing matchup to me out of these is Fred Rosser, Trevor Murdoch. Um, you know, I wouldn't say these guys are necessarily at odds with, with each other, but if you remember um, back a couple of weeks ago in the national title tournament finals, uh, when Fred Rosser you know, threw in the towel for JTG and, and cost him the match, Trevor Murdoch was a commentary and those guys were exchanging words. They weren't seeing eye to eye. Trevor was, you know, pleading with them, you know, let, let your, let your buddy, you know, finish the match on his own accord and, and do that. So, you know, again, I wouldn't call that a heated rivalry by any means, but I think that's an interesting matchup. And I'm wondering how much that conversation carries over um, into this. But I mean, again, all of these are fantastic. There's the obvious drama with with Jack Stane and Slice Boogie. So I don't know what the dynamic in that match is going to be. But, you know, four more matches that honestly I can't wait to see. Definitely a lot to look forward to here. And that is it. That's the champion series right now. Those are the matchups ups that we could expect to see. We've run a little long here, but a lot to cover uh, on this series. And so we're glad to be here with you guys. We're glad to be a part of the setup for this thing. And we can't wait to see what happens. We hope you feel the same way. It seems pretty straightforward. We get to see what happens here. And uh, I don't know. I love it. I'm excited. I want to see. I mean, we're headed, we're on the road, the hashtag race to the chase. And so we headed to the chase ballroom in St. Louis, Missouri. This is going to have huge implications on what we see there. Uh, so you got to stay tuned and see what happens in the champion series to have an idea of how NWA 73, maybe even empower shape up uh, guys. Did you have anything you wanted to add uh, before we uh, wrap this thing up tonight? No, just thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for going a little long. We did have a lot to cover, uh, but I'm excited about this champion series. And, and I think it's got huge implications. As excited as we are for St. Louis and for uh, the race to the chase and, and returning to, to St. Louis, uh, this is this is going to create that picture for us. And so, uh, you know, if you were wondering what the card's going to be, you're looking at the beginning of it starting to shape up what we're going to see in St. Louis. So pay close attention. Uh, everything that happens from here on out is going to have huge implications towards what's going to happen in, in that historic weekend. Man, we've got a lot of uh, historic stuff coming up for those of us who are NWA fans, which is all of you guys who are here, you guys are a more intelligent fan base and a more discerning and selective fan base. And we may not all agree with each other. I don't pretend to. Uh, that's okay. We can all appreciate um, being a part of something important. Uh, the National Wrestling Alliance, you know, there, there are things that, that I love about it. There are things that really rub me wrong. This is one of them. But I can't think of anything better than hanging out with Gary and Will on Tuesday nights and hanging out with all of you, you know, guys like James Lawrence and front row, Terry McDermott, my man wrestling with the MMA is back after a little bit of a hiatus. We hadn't seen him in a minute. Um, Brian B John gone. I know uh, Gary will give some more shout outs cause he's got the whole list in front of him. Who's in there, but this is the best thing, man. And, and uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of great things going on. This, this is whether you like it or not, this is momentous. The championships, uh, the champion series, it's going to be historic. I don't control the NWA, uh, but this will reverberate through, uh, through you know, the current championship reigns and through the current tenor and trajectory of the of the greatest pro wrestling entity of all time. Uh, but this is also an important week because we celebrate the birth of the NWA, 
July 18th, 1948. And we celebrate the birth of big gold. Uh, excuse me. Gosh, man. I'm getting it rubbing off on me. <laughs> 10 pounds of gold. Sweet Charlotte. The Dome Globe. Uh, July 20th, 1973. This is a great week. A great day. A great year. A great life to be a fan of the National Wrestling Alliance. The world's greatest wrestling promotion. The one true sport. The one true entity of the one true sport. And... Uh, Man, it's, it's a great time to be an NWA fan. We love you guys. Seriously, thank you to everybody who's in the chat. Like Doc said, I mean, you are an educated fan base, and sometimes you call us out on our shenanigans, and uh, it's it's fun. It's fun going back and forth. We love you guys. Even you, Brian, who wanted to be a little bit grumpy at the beginning. We're glad you came around, and we're glad you're here hanging out, having fun with us. Sid, I see you there wrestling with the MMA. i got to echo Doc and say it's good to have you back, brother. John, front row. Eric, Nathan, it's so good to hang out with all you. Even uh, RC, Mr. Caps, it's good to see you too, brother. Ed Hames, uh, thank you so much for being here. We love you guys. And again, if you haven't already, subscribe to us over on YouTube.com slash This Is Pro Wrestling. We've been tied up a lot with this NWA stuff, but we're going to start throwing more stuff up there. And we'd be honored to have you in both places and at TIPW Show on all the social medias. Uh, this is getting interesting. This is getting into big stuff here. We're starting to see the cards shape up for Empowered NWA 73. Doc's got one other thing. I got one other thing, and I want to I want to direct this towards my man, Terry McDermott. I saw your comment in the chat uh, a couple of days ago. I can't remember specifically what it was, what it was. But Gary and I had actually discussed this before you mentioned your, 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 your question in the chat. And that was about the peculiar dating of July 14th, 1948. That date rings very strange in NWA history because if you go on Wikipedia, if you look in the comic book history of pro wrestling, which is a great source, I highly commend it. But they mention the strange fact that Orville Brown was named NWA. I'm talking about National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Champion on July 14th, 1948. How is that possible when the NWA wasn't founded formally until July the 18th? Well, I did some digging. Uh, Tim Hornbaker and I are personal friends, and I went to him. I went to Brian Solomon, who are friends of the show, and I asked him about that, and I wanted to show you. Uh, Terry McDermott, this is for you. I mentioned you specifically. Um, I asked that question. He, he, If you don't mind, Gary, I want to just put this out. I Can, can I read this directly from uh, – I'm not the official historian of the NWA. A lot of people, use, people say that there are many – Many historians better than me. Terry McDermott, one of them, by the way. Um, but no, you can't uh, read Tim it. Horn- it, everybody. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> Tim Tim Hornbaker is the official, semi-official, but most credible historian of the NWA. His book, National Wrestling Alliance, is the grad studies course in the history of the NWA, the greatest promotion in the history of the sport. And he said this. So I'm going to read it to you, and this is for you, Terry McDermott, directly, because I had you in mind. He says this, quote, July 1948 is the old fictional date of the NWA's formation that was printed in many publications in the early days. Wiki, unfortunately, still is using that information. When I was doing my research for my NWA book, I found the minutes for the initial NWA minute and prove that it was the July 18th, as you mentioned. These are the same documents that I sent you by DM. Keep up your great work. I love what you and the Bearded Trio do, 
and how you support the NWA and keep the legacy of the Alliance alive. So there you go. That's the answer. Tim Bohorn Baker knows question. who I am. <laughs> He's a fan of the, of the channel. Uh, but uh, I also wanted to say that um, in, uh, I, I sent an email to the, the writers of the comic book history because they mentioned that, that the reason they mentioned July 14th is that Orville Brown defeated Sonny Myers on July 14th. That's not the case. He de de defeated uh, Sonny Myers on January the 5th, sometime in January. It might be the 8th, January the 5th or the 8th, somewhere around there for the National Wrestling Association Championship. And when the NWA was formally founded, they recognized the National Wrestling Association title as the lineal championship. And so that's why you see sometimes July 14th uh, there laying around somewhere. So there you go. I wanted to get that out because I was thinking about it and I appreciated the question. So It's beautiful because now you know, all of you out there, uh, you have all of this information handy and you know how to end a Tinder date in less than five minutes. So congratulations. Uh, hope that it worked for you. Uh, but thank you so much for everybody hanging out with us. And thank you, Doc, seriously, for uh, communicating and uh, educating us historically. This fan base clearly wants to learn more. We want to be the most educated and most uh, pronounced uh, experts in professional wrestling. And so we love that about our audience. And uh, the, the important part is, is to never be an ass about it. We want to bring in new fans, but with an appreciation for pro wrestling. So keep that in mind anytime you're tossing out info like that. Um, but uh, thank you guys so much for being with us. We appreciate every single one of you. Uh, it's an honor to, to be on the NWA's YouTube channel right now talking to you guys. And uh, we couldn't be more happy with the community that's been cultivated from it. So, again, thank you. And we'll see you next Tuesday night after we start seeing some actual matches, Brian, from the Champion Series. We can't wait. Till next week, enjoy your...